Hello, and welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I am Jake. And joining us today, we have a very special guest, Ms. Andy Lerner. What up? And today, we are talking about United States of Terra, Season 3, Episodes 1 through 6. So before we get into the discussion of the episodes at hand, we would like to introduce a brand new segment just for the third season. Terra exclusive called do you like charmaine well i'm honored to be to be a part of this um charmaine she's a tricky one i have loved watching her grow up because i think that that Mm. it's kind of a coming of age story for charmaine i think that's really the the true mission of tara it's not really about tara um i have yeah i've grown to like her more as it's gone along and i think as a younger sibling i identify with her a lot so Although I don't know if, like, looking at her just as a human, I'm like, love that girl. I think I let her off the hook for a lot of things because I'm, I am I feel her. Mm. Yeah. I identify with her as a person with low self-esteem. Mm. I think she, um, yeah, if I knew her in real life, I wouldn't probably, I probably wouldn't like her at all. But as a character, she is, like, so... So good. We love yeah. Charmaine. That's why we asked. We've been asking all of our guests, actually. We decided to make it an official segment because nobody nobody really likes her as much as we do. Yeah. Well, I was listening to your <laughs> podcast with Jamie, and I was loving you guys kind of trying to convince Jamie that Charmaine <laughs> is better than she was giving her credit for. Jamie's a younger sister. Yeah. She's a she middle. She is. She's a middle. Yeah. Putting on a blast. Um, um, you're an older sister. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm an oldest. Yeah. Victoria Villiers had one of my favorite takes on Charmaine. Mm-hmm. I forget how she put it, but she said, like, it takes her some time for her heart to warm to her. Mm. Mm. I like what you said about the coming of age thing, because it's it's very true. It's like they all kind of come of age yeah. throughout the series, and except I mean, for Max, who sucks. Yeah, we watch Charmaine, like, really, so many of her priorities change. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes from, we're seeing her as complete superficial, like, strictly appearance you know boob job that's just such like an illustration of you know for to her to having a child obviously yeah I do think that the boob job thing was like I have trouble seeing that as a marker of her being superficial Mm. because if my nipples were going in two different directions (laughs) I'd want a boob job too yes that's true. Mm. I have seen a lot of that. I actually worked as really? an airbrush technician, which means giving personally applied spray tans. Oh, I love that. My first year in New York. And so I would always come home to my roommates and be like, hey, guys, if you ever want a boob job, let me just tell you, they don't always go great. <laughs> so uh, just keep that in mind. I, I was really on the boob job train for a little bit myself. Um, I remember like having a big conversation with my aunt about it. And eventually decided not to do it because I heard that they can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And if something has, like, even the slightest chance of going wrong for me medically, I won't do it. Yeah. But it's good. That's I think good that, um, yeah, I think that it's good to, like, I mean, I don't know. I think that discourse around <clears throat> boob jobs can be kind of shallow because people are either saying like they're shallow or they're saying like body positivity like do whatever you want it's like well maybe like even if it's your choice it was probably influenced by a misogynistic culture absolutely sure of course like do what you need to do to be happy but 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> so where we left off with Tara, uh, according to the previously on in the first episode, is that Tara thought she was better. Um, Chicken appeared, her new altar that's just herself when she was five. Buck fucked a bartender named Pammy. Oh. And then Max fucked Pammy and yeah. pretended that it was the same thing. <laughs> uh, Tara found a new therapist that ended up being just an altar. Charmaine wanted to re-virginate herself, so she moved in with Tara, but then she ended up fucking Pat and Oswalt, so her fiancé left her at the altar. Kate became a cam girl. Lionel and Marshall uh, became boyfriend and boyfriend. And Tara and Charmaine's mom revealed that they had an older half-brother that molested them. And now in the third season, the theme song is gone, signifying that it's going to get much darker. That sums it up, doesn't it? You guys don't even need to listen to the last two podcasts. (laughs) Really, recapping the last two seasons was a bad decision on my part because it's going to lower the amount of listeners for the previous episodes. Um, Andy, did you rewatch the entire series? You didn't have to, but did you rewatch the whole series up until this point? I'm going to be honest, I did not do that. But you've seen it before. I have seen it through fully twice and have watched many an episode again. I'm very proud of you for that. Many times. When did you first watch it? I first watched it Probably like six or seven years ago. Oh, wow. When it was already streaming, but like... It was on Netflix. It used to be on Netflix. Yeah. That's when I first I was I was house slash dog sitting for Sean Kramer. <laughs> you know, Denver thing. Yes, yes. obviously. Um, and Sean Kramer, I'm... miss you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you little elf. And his dog <gasps> is like nice, but also <laughs> not nice. And so the only way I could get it to be nice to me was if we like sat and watched TV together. So I just kind of chose it at random. I had seen the billboards when it was on TV mm-hmm. and definitely like didn't think much about it. But I felt like they marketed it as a very just kind of like fun, silly show, you know, with the yeah. each of her altars. They're always kind of stacked in this really interesting layout. And so I put it on thinking, oh, fun, silly show. It was yeah. very, like, <laughs> it was very much Bill as a comedy, which it is, mm-hmm. but for... The most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a comedy that also takes place in real life. Sure. Basically. Yeah. yeah. But um what it what is your like go to episode mm. that you put on to rewatch? Ooh. Or like season fragment. Yeah, I was gonna say episode specific, I'm not quite sure, but I definitely feel like season two, mm. early season two is yeah. like my my prime. I feel like it's when you get like a comfort with the characters and the family and like you have enough of a foundation on all the people, including the altars, that it's like you kind of feel like you're in on the joke. But mm-hmm. it it still has more of kind of the lighthearted energy. You know, post-sexual assault, Kate, probably. Oh, yeah. That part is really hard for me. Which part? When she's pursuing her case at Barnaby's. Oh, yeah. just kind of that Mm. whole energy. So, yeah. 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 But probably, you know, before. The first season is a lot of exposition and, like, world building and tone Mm -hmm. finding. And the second season, like, you're right, that beginning part, I come back to it a lot, too, because it's so weirdly not chaotic even though it is because it's like it's familiar and then season three is so like building towards this horrible ending Mm -hmm. but splitting it up in these two halves like we've done 
was the first time I've realized that it really doesn't get that dark until like literally right like at the end. yeah okay nothing really happens for these episodes that we're covering <clears throat> today so let's jump into it uh, <laughs> it opens on Buck going out to threaten Brandon Bryce Crane thinking that he's going to find the man who molested Tara and Charmaine and uh, he can't find him mm-hmm. we go to a party that the Gregsons are hosting in their backyard, at which point we see Charmaine, like, enormously pregnant to establish that time has passed. Yes. And uh, Ted Four tells... years have passed because Kate is now 19 for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ted is telling Charmaine and Neil that it's a good thing that they're not dating because Charmaine has enough on her plate or whatever. Uh, Lionel and Marshall fat phobically record Pat and Oswald's ass crack. Oh, yes. Um, well, fat phobically, but also pull pants, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> that scene is, um, it's nice to put them all in the backyard for some reason. The Gregsons mm. don't entertain very often. Mm. Um, it's unclear why they are doing so. Um, I like that they still have all the wedding stuff up. Yeah. Well, why take down that gazebo? It's nice. It's a nice gazebo. It was interesting. This time around, I kind of convinced myself it was the baby shower just because of the introduction of her pregnant belly and she's wearing the tiara. Oh, right. I was like, oh, it's baby shower, but that becomes a whole plot line is organizing the baby shower. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we can go storyline by storyline yeah, let's with do this. That. Do we want to talk about Lionel and Marshall first? Yeah, because it's feel the worst. They It's the worst, <laughs> and they do the most stuff here. So basically, Lionel and Marshall are together. They're filmmaker auteur friends <laughs> yes. all of a sudden. And Marshall ends up cheating on Lionel with... Ugh, the more, most boring character ever. With more of a normie who they're in the same film class as. But you know what? That is kind of... um, That is kind of a comment in a way, I feel like. I don't know if they made it one, but, like, of course, Marshall, who has so many issues with, like, presenting either masculine or less than masculine, like Lionel did. He was, like, Mm -hmm. dating him for a while, but then, of course, he's going to dump him to go for this, like, boring but very, like, heteronormative other gay because Marshall didn't oh, yeah. know. I mean, they, they make a comment on it early on in the season where Lionel's like, would we still be together There's if, yeah, if we, like, um, weren't the only ones, which is a very real thing. And that, you know, I experienced that myself. It's like, oh, are we dating in high school secretly because um, there's nobody else? Or is it because we actually like each other? And more often yeah. than not, it's some combination of the two. But What do you... um? What do you what do you guys think the situation was for Marshall and Lionel? Like, do you think <clears throat> that their relationship makes sense? Well, it's interesting that Jake brought up that question that Lionel poses because you know Marshall's answer is I don't think they're mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. and I think like that's been something that I have been dealing with a lot recently is like realizing that things that often feel like they're in opposition can still be truths at the same time like you can be the only gay people in your environment but you can also still be in love and like sometimes it's a cause and effect thing yeah and that it's like you know you're right maybe if we weren't 
if there was a lot of options, we wouldn't have found each other. But regardless, we found each other and we formed this really beautiful relationship and that still has value. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle because like both of them as characters are very frustrating to me. And so when they get together, I'm just like pretty generically frustrated. <laughs> but I think <clears throat> that like that they had a really interesting and helpful relationship to each other. I was very frustrated that he cheated because I was just like, It's out of character. It is. Because in the episode before that, when Kate leaves... He's um, trying to get them to define their relationship. And he's all like, let's say nice things about her even though she's not here just because we should still have like that kind of niceness put out there. And that really stood out to me. I was like, yes, he knows. It's not about like getting credit for the good deed. And so like... That energy was kind of frustrating for me because I was like, it's clear that you know that things matter even if people yeah. don't see them and or I hear like them. I like them both as a couple a lot in season two. I feel like they have a, like a nice progression towards getting mm-hmm. together at the end of that season. Like, they're so different. Marshall, I hate in season three, which is kind of why it's not my favorite. Like, I actually really enjoy this season a lot, but... My favorite part of seasons two is Kate and Marshall, and both of their storylines frustrate me this season. Mm, yeah. And Marshall, while I, it actually, the rest of his arc this season makes sense as a character from season one, the Lionel thing doesn't make sense to me. Especially because in season two, they, I don't know, he like completely changes. Mm. Yeah. Which I guess is very teenage, but it's like, I don't know, there's nothing good about it. And Lionel is made into this weird... Lionel seems really thing that he's, he used to be. He just seems so unhappy this season. Mm-hmm. Even without yeah. the even before the cheating thing happens, he's just like always upset. And maybe mm-hmm. that was present in season two as well, and maybe I'm just noticing it because season three is more pessimistic in general. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like I I can't help but feel like like we should get Lionel into therapy. Well, there's that part of season two when he's like, I came home from that sleazy hookup in the park and my mom didn't even ask me what I was doing. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. I think like he plays the role of kind of, you know, giving Marshall a lot of like bravery and confidence to be who he is and just to, you know, fuck everyone else. Mm -hmm. But like that also kind of gives him the responsibility to always be the person like calling out injustices or, you know, and a lot of times that can become as a viewer, a little kind of like, for me, frustrating, monotonous, or like sad, you know, that they, that he always has to be the one to be like, this is going wrong, or this isn't, you know, that he's disappointed, or mm-hmm. yeah, unhappy. I feel like it's, so there's, so basically what happens is Lionel instigates like a threesome with this kid, Noah, who sucks. Yeah. And that's interesting <laughs> so because, funny. I mean, I get that they're doing some promiscuous storyline, whatever thing. But it's just, it's just even worse in that case for Marshall to cheat on Lionel with the person they had, like, threesome with. Yeah. Because, like, if you were going to go down this route, it's just that they they didn't want to allocate enough time to it. Mm-hmm. Which I agree, maybe it wasn't yeah. as important in the overall cut plot. And it's but... also like they're like fifteen. I yeah, don't and think also that... no, yeah. They had yeah. time though for Marshall to say sorry when he came and got the camera. Just saying, I was like, he's not even gonna <sighs> have a moment. Oh just, yeah, like, say sorry when he's like, I want the camera. Here's some money. Like, it's like Dude. you can check one out. 
Yeah, that sucked. Because they bought the property together. They yeah. Said, it's like a baby. It's our baby, yeah. It's just like, if they really, they shouldn't have had him cheat. They should have just had, like, him yeah. develop feelings for this kid. Not Maybe not know if they were mutual and then break mm-hmm. up with Lionel, as opposed to... I thought it was very uncharacteristically... Well, actually, never mind. I was going to say it was uncharacteristically confident of Marshall to just, like, lay one on him as Mm -hmm. soon as Lionel leaves. But then I remembered that they had had a threesome, like, the day before. (laughs) It is interesting they call the shared property of the camera their baby, though. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we've seen... Well, we haven't seen, but we know that Tara and Max, you know, so much of their relationship... It's because they had a baby. Yeah. Mm. That is true. Uh-oh. Yeah, I was thinking, like, it kind <laughs> of... teach a college class on... One of us should teach a college course on this show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, like, I was going to yeah. say, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they would have... That the writers would have these two characters, you know, purchase property together only to have them break <clears> up right after. Maybe the parallel between their camera baby and Marshall... Becoming more curious about how his own parents' marriage stays together could have been a little bit more clearly established. But I also worry that it would have come across as being overwrought. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, um, because I think that um, this was a weird storyline to not be in the same season as Max and Tara's infidelity. Yeah. Because yes, Marshall didn't have a like a boyfriend in season two, and he had his own thing going on. But I think this feels like a byproduct of that. Remind me, did did he learn about it, the cheating? Um, actually, oh, no. He knew. He. Did, I don't think they knew that Max slept with Pammy, but okay. they definitely knew that they shouldn't. Tara did. Yeah. Because that oh, was at yeah. the ice rink. But even yeah. though it wasn't Tara, Tara. But I guess. But even like. Storyline-wise, it feels weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's stop talking about it. Okay. There's other more important things. I want to talk about, now that you've brought up the question of whether it was Tara or not who slept with Pammy, I want to bring up, uh, Tara goes back to college and starts taking an abnormal psychology class with Eddie Izzard, playing Dr. <laughs> Hatteras, who basically ends up becoming her therapist because he wants to write a, a book about her and at one point he says to her um this boy who i convinced wasn't a kite isn't a kite (laughs) just like how buck and pammy and t aren't real people Mm -hmm. they're all products of you and the sooner you accept that they're a part of you the sooner it'll be easier for you to integrate and to stop suffering so much and also, Dr. Hatteras is kind of an asshole. So what well, do we think of him? I like him as a character in the show. It's, like, different energy. Like, whenever I think about season three of the show, I think about him. Yeah, like me too. He is the... He is the... I don't even know who I think about in season two. I just think about Viola Davis and, like, Shoshana. But, um, yeah, he's the vehicle for this, for Tara's storyline, at least. Um, I like him. I don't know. I, I don't like him as a, as a person, but I, again, I like him as a character. Yeah. What about you, Amy? Yeah, I think he's a dick. And just, like, really, for me, kind of breaks me out of, like, a lot of the realism I think that they've created, just with how, like, unprofessional he is. And, like, you know, that the episode when he 
you know, uses her as an example. Obviously, she's made an example yeah, of herself, and that's I'm like so mad. And that's mm. a hard situation to be put in as a professor and to have authority, but just the lack of sympathy. And she calls him out on it, so it's like not like it yeah. goes unnoticed. But my mom's a college professor, and mm-hmm. so a lot of like I get I get very like frustrated sometimes just because I feel like even something like his office space like teach at this small university in Kansas like he ain't out here oh, with this he has such a beautiful office, office yeah this like you know just all of that kind of I get a little lost and I'm kind of like who are you like what gave you this authority yeah. and definitely sure. like I I feel a little <coughs> frustrated like you just phrase it really perfectly like he basically ends up becoming her therapist which I'm kind of like that's where I'm like who gave you the authority yeah, like I feel can. like she needs different professional help than the person who's studying her. Tara has, and maybe this is because she lives in Kansas, Mm -hmm. Tara has never once had, like, proper help. Like, in season one, she has a therapist who doesn't know anything. In season two, her therapist is herself. And in season three, her therapist is her college professor, which which isn't, like... The person grading you can't also be the one that you're, like, trusting with your innermost That's secrets. That's the most exactly. unbelievable part of this whole thing. It's if she such really... a violation of boundaries. Which is weird because she does so well at setting boundaries mm-hmm. with him. But he thinks it's a joke. He immediately laughs her off. She wouldn't have... In real life, this woman would not... It would not be even permitted by anyone around her. It shouldn't have been to not have had a real therapist yeah. since, mm-hmm. like three years ago yeah <laughs> like at all especially i mean it Even it, it does make sense in the show because <laughs> at the longer she goes without therapy like the worse that things get for Duh. her like season two yeah like <laughs> preach like season two one of her alters has a full-on affair season three where i mean like well we don't have to get into that second half of season three shit gets very dangerous <laughs> But I do think that Dr. Hatteras is a good foil to Tara, though, and that she is to him. I really like what they bring out in each Mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. I like that he has this sort of journey towards respecting her, even though it personally offends me that anybody would not respect her. Mm -hmm. Well, it brings back that whole idea of what they originally wanted Charmaine to be, which was the skeptic. It's, Mm -hmm. you know what, it is kind of a retread of the Charmaine situation, except with this one. realistic because he doesn't know her or have any connection to her. And and with this one, he actually has, like, something to offer her. Mm -hmm. And at least has some foundation for his beliefs, you know. Yeah. As opposed to Charmaine, just it being purely personal. Yeah. Yeah. Understandably so. Of course. Um, so with this Hatter's storyline, um, it starts with her. Well, she really wants to go back to school, which I think is so cute. Yeah. <laughs> she's so And happy. Max is so against so it because mean. he's the devil. He wants her to sit around the house and do literally nothing. And There's work a scene on herself, where she's studying quotes. and he takes her textbooks and throws them out onto the front lawn. Is this, <laughs> like, I feel like if I were a. Like, if I were a teacher, I'd be, like, if I were, like, a high school sex ed teacher and I was having a unit on domestic violence, <laughs> like, fucking half of what I show would be clips from, from United States of Terror. 
Yeah, no kidding. It's just so easy to disguise it because he's like the classic good guy, like yeah. John Corbett, who honestly, I might be crazy, but I think I was in a hot tub with him a few weeks ago in Colorado. What? Oh my God. Just to, just when I, I really think so. Where? In um Keystone. What? It's fine. I don't know. How I big was, was the hot tub? Not big. There was just this group of dads, and I was sitting by him, and I was like, "This gotta be him." Did you ask him why Max is like that? <laughs> you should have done what, this like, close. you should have turned into T, like in the first season when she's at that hotel. Yikes! <laughs> um, but you know, it's hard because that actor, he's always playing like the good guy, the right, good guy, which yeah. often is the most problematic character sure. in rom com. So not very surprising. But like, I don't know. I yeah. feel like this watch is the the first time that I'm really like me too I have your energy and I think it's also been bred from listening to the podcast um, <laughs> and I think it's an important veil that I've needed to kind of shed which is I don't know how I ever watched this her. show not it's really weird because Amanda Kennedy and I used to get into disagreement because she hated Charmaine and loved Max. Mm. Uh. And yeah, uh, Ethan Barker is coming on next week and he said that he was going to be a Max apologist. So wow. I guess we'll be able to well, hear we'll that if he side of the story. He rewatches it, then he might not be. But yeah. yeah, the textbook moment, I'm so glad you brought that up. I wrote a note about, like, I was like, that is the most extreme and Mm -hmm. so disrespectful obviously and like you say jake you know his whole excuse is that when she was in college it was too overwhelming and she was a danger to herself it's like maybe because she was fucking 20 idiot yeah and there's also pregnant with his kid yeah there's also an understanding that there's a possibility for her to always be a danger to herself oh yeah and so i'm like what her sitting at home isn't necessarily any safer it might be less embarrassing for you if that's like what you're actually worried about Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i'm like she has car keys she has a lot of guns like there the tools are there that i'm like Right before he throws out the textbooks, she's literally in the middle saying, like, I'm so happy. I haven't felt this happy in so long. Like, actively, so clearly vocalizing, like, her needs to her partner, and he reacts by being like, let me take away Exactly what's making you happy. He always fucking does that shit. Also, (laughs) like, he throws the textbooks, what, out onto the front lawn? Like, as if she's not gonna go get them back? (laughs) Well... And that's the scene that's right before when she transitions into the um, the United States of Terra. She has yeah. the the yeah, which is like the Congress with herself literal like scene of this show actually. Yes, because it's the title drop moment. Mm-hmm. It's the first time you see inside Terra's mind. All the altars are sitting at like a boardroom table. It's actually really great. I wish it was longer. They should have done a whole episode like <laughs> see, the Good Place or something that inside actually, this that part makes me like super uncomfortable because really? I feel like it breaks from the tone so dramatically mm-hmm. um but I know it's so <coughs> necessary and the payoff of her kind of like emerging from that is like so beautiful and oh shocking God. I remember the first time I watched that like losing my shit because yeah. it's such like a euphoric moment for her to take control of herself and then it just cuts back to real life and she has drawn all over herself and like she has all these weird like bits of paper like in her hair she's, she's drawn on the, the table pen. she's eating the pen and that's what convinces her dr hatteras that something is going on yeah that he wants to study i think it's such a great scene i mean i i love any scene that gimme's in 
They're so few and far between, and I just love that they're under the table. And so you get to cute. see the characters, like, actually in their costumes is what they look like. Yeah. Yes. Which is cool. And it's know. interesting, you know, that's when they, like, play on the word crazy. Like, this yeah. is a show about mental health, obviously, and mm-hmm. mental illness. Um, and although I do not personally, like, have a, a, a mental health journey that I'm... Well, we all have a mental health journey that we are on. <laughs> but, you know, I try to be as sensitive I, as I can to the use of the word crazy. And mm-hmm. that is, like, so... That's it true. seems, like, super sensitive to me at this point because that was a, a word in my vernacular a lot. And I was like, how do I replace that? Um, and so in the scene with Max, you know, he calls her crazy. Yeah. And then, was it in yeah, that same scene? It's in that same yeah. scene. And then when she emerges from her her Congress, that's, she finally kind of admits to herself, I'm crazy. But I don't, that, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. She's like, I'm crazy. I'm fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah I mean, this show's journey, um with words mm-hmm. is interesting okay. because we have the second use of the word retarded. No, it's the third use. Marshall says Marshall. it in season one and yes. then in season two, is it Kate who says it or is it someone else? I don't I think it might know. be Marshall again. We'll have to go back. Okay. But then he says it again. Okay, and then we blocked all of these out when we watched it before because we thought the only person who said it was uh, in season Three. Mm. Tara's new alter, Which, who's a teenage sociopath. Spoiler. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I thought that spoiler he was the Spoiler alert, Tara it. has another personality. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that it was him who was the only use in the whole show, and then yeah. nope, it's used all the time. And I'm like, I get that it was in the early 2010s, but like, wasn't that still a little late? Yeah, I think, hell yeah. Too I mean, late. even in Kansas. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I feel like at least in my experience... Around that time of, like, 2011, the offensiveness of the words retarded and the words gay were, like, kind of on the same in the sense that, like, kids who were cooler than me said them, but I didn't. Mm. And I would be like, that's not cool, guys, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, I guess, and you can, we have before chalked it up to uh, setting, but I think at this point it's like, no, if you're going to make a show about, like, Kate and Marshall are supposed to be cool like cool slash never portrayed as conventional high schoolers yeah so why don't you like not have them use words like that Mm -hmm. it's it's just weird it's gross and it feels gratuitous and not necessary especially this time when he says it because he's watching videos from like oh my god i don't know it's just dumb i feel like the humor can be very advanced in the show that i'm just like you can be better than that yeah you know they're always these throwaway jokes that i'm just like was that necessary? Yes. Okay. We can blame Steven Spielberg. There are so many good throwaway jokes. There's one um, where Charmaine says that she's not sure about breastfeeding because of how, because of the fact that she has breast implants. She said that she learned from the Mel Gibson tapes that that can be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The fucking and so, and I think it's Tara who goes. That's what you got from the Mel Gibson tapes, and she goes. He was right about some things. <laughs> okay, one more problematic moment. Oh, I don't know if you know about it. It's Charlie Brown. Oh wait. Okay, no, it's it's not really. In the first episode, Neil and Max are getting drinks, and he's like, "I feel like Charlie Brown or the black one. I don't even know his oh, name." And yeah. then someone you can hear someone in the background go, "It's Franklin," <laughs> and I'm like, "Great." 
Glad that was in there. But then what does he say after that? He's, the worst he, part. He, say, he says, even if I knew his name, yeah. I would call him the black one. Yeah. Whatever. What were you going to say? Maybe Charlie that? Brown should have had more black characters. Patton Oswalt was right. Um, mm. But I was about to say, there was that really startling scene with Charmaine and Tara going over the cupcakes for Charmaine's baby shower. Oh my gosh. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. a trans yeah. woman is selling them cupcakes and, and Charmaine keeps calling her and, Mike. And, and Charmaine keeps calling her Mike. And it doesn't, like, because the joke ends up being, she says, well, you have to change your, like, business cards or, like, the, the logo yeah. or whatever because it says, like, Mike's Cupcakes. And Michelle just goes, I know. But, also, but she also says, like, it's been Michelle for three years. So it's, like, why... That scene is, like, the most... So then it's, like, why aren't the box is different it's mm-hmm. like the writers just wrote in that the box is said that for the purpose of the joke and that was the thing is like if she had continued to talk about like the business's name and confuse it and kept like kind of like referencing the box but, but when it was about know. the actual human in there? front of she's just you. looking at michelle and and going mike mike over and the fact and over that again. they've potentially known each other for three years enough oh. to know that there had been a transition of the name that they were going yeah. by i'm like yeah, and also yeah. that scene is the, like, that's when Tara is at its worst, which is, like, just tokenistic things mm. that yes. it has. Because, like, you can applaud Tara for actually having characters and, like, pe- things that are not normally portrayed as far as mental health or mm-hmm. trans characters yeah. or whatever. But then they always put the joke on it. I'm also yeah. I'm curious as to whether Jill Soloway was still writing on the show oh. in season three. Because she wrote a ton of episodes for <laughs> season true. two. That's and then went on to create Transparent. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because, you know, that was we talked about two kind of problematic moments. Racism, gender. One that I found really interesting and kind of tricky is when um, Marshall comes out to his grandma. Oh, in back in the Christmas room, mm-hmm. and her response is, "How is that?" I was like, "That is like the best worst question to ask." <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, like it could be the worst thing to say Kansas to someone. Conry. She yes. goes, "You're a gay, aren't you?" Why does she say that again? What does because he, say? he has soft, soft hands. hands. Oh yeah, true. And then he says it's like Christmas time Christmas every day. Every day yeah. yeah, which I I like that scene a lot. That's me nice. too. I just thought That's... that how is that question like mm-hmm. opened up to how become a really beautiful yeah moment between mm-hmm. the two of them. Because but she I was loves just thinking, Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Do you think? What I wonder at this point in the series how much we're supposed to sympathize with Max's mom. I mean, because... I always sympathize with her. Yeah. I Do you think... think that you sympathize with her because it's Frances Conroy yes. or because okay? Yes, I do. But it's like... The mom's in the show. I know. Well, he hates her so much. Yeah. Like, we're introduced to the notion of this character uh, as someone who is... um, He hasn't spoken to in two years. Um, She's weird. She's a hoarder, which she finds out, or he knows, obviously. But his... And then... And then they use the word crazy again because she herself is like, oh, the Gregson boy's always drawn to crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, husband left me. Max is, and then Marshall gets all worried that Max is going to leave Tara, and it's like, well, yeah. he probably already would have, <laughs> if you think That's about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Her character does have a nice payoff at the end of the season, but it's, it's oh, weird. Yeah. Before meeting her, they kind of introduce her, at least in this season, as an energy that like 
I was like, oh, she's going to be the perfect mom because she doesn't want Tara to come. Mm. Almost that energy that, like, you know, the the mother-in-law that is, like, so perfect and is like, there will never be a daughter perfect enough for my son because sure. I've been the main yeah. woman in their life, whatever, you know. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so I thought the reveal that there's a lot of, not, I mean, she's nothing like Tara, but just the the way that she puts it as kind of the crazy woman to the Gregson boys. You know, I thought that was a nice reveal that was unexpected to me, that she also had her own mental health issues Mm -hmm. and that just the the way that we see Max relate to Tara versus his mom. You know, the sympathy, the patience. Sure. Yeah, I also, like, it... Yeah, I don't... I feel like it's also symptomatic of Max seeing people's mental illnesses as personal faults of theirs. Mm-hmm. Like, he's mad at his mom for not coming to his wedding when she hasn't left the house She doesn't even years. want to let him in. She uses the male's Yeah, as a, as like, yeah. she's she's agoraphobic. What do you expect from What is her cat's name? The one who... Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace. <laughs> <laughs> who has a penis. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, what else? So that's Max. We yeah, have to talk Max. about Kate, and we have to talk about Charmaine. Yes. So Kate's storyline. She becomes a flight attendant. Well, first, she wants to go to Japan. Right. And second, she wants to go to Japan again. <laughs> and she meets... Okay, have you... Have either, have, ugh, have either of you... Are you okay? Yes. Have either of you watched Scandal? No. So the flight attendant who Kate meets is a main character on Scandal, and she's the president's wife who... I see it already. She's so good. She's the best character on that show. Mm. Um... But I love seeing her in this, and she's, like, such a classy flight attendant. And she's, she tells Kate that um, she doesn't want to go to Osaka. No. Not, what was it? Oh, um, N- N- Nagata. Nagata. Yeah. Um, she's like, oh, dear. But Kate <laughs> wants to teach English or something in yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. She has this whole moment. She has lots of... I think they really didn't know what to do with Kate this season. Yeah, I'm going to put Kate, that out there right now. Yeah, I, I've always thought that Kate felt kind of aimless as a character. <clears throat> All she ever does is date older men. Mm-hmm. Yep. And be aimless. That's yeah. also her main thing is just, mm-hmm. my life's not together, what do I want? Yeah. I Which is a her... very strange character trait to have be so dominant in a teenager. Yeah, and like that's kind of what teenagers do. They never yeah. really put pressure on her to do anything either. Yeah, like she gets her GED, which I thought that she had graduated early, because remember she was like fifteen in season yeah. one, and then season two opens with she's her. She's still kind the... of fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> and then in season three she's nineteen. Yeah, because <laughs> Charmaine's been pregnant for four years. Um, <laughs> she's but... about to give birth to Buster Bluth. I just don't understand. I don't know. I feel like her aimlessness was way more fun and structured well in season two. Yeah. Mm. Um, partially because they had Viola Davis and then the cam girl thing was fun. Um, but this season, it's just... I like the Japan thing. Like, she, she ends up not being able to go because there's a hurricane. And then they switch her places. And then she ends up becoming a flight attendant. With the flight attendant school stuff is fun. Yeah, I really like that. There's that scene where... Never mind, that's my best prop. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And then at the end of this episode arc, she meets the guy who eventually is Yeah, she, she develops feelings for a frequent flyer. 
who who should have been a lot more interesting should have been so much more i feel like what happens a lot okay first of all something that diablo cody does very well is giving minor characters really good dialogue there it's never really like placeholder dialogue Unless they're about to have a multi-episode arc, in which case they're so boring. <laughs> but the guy who works at the airport, who she's trying to get her bags back from, is so... Like, I just loved He's every funny. scene he was in. He's so funny. He's like, oh, like, I don't give a shit about your bag. And even when she wants to become a flight attendant, he's like, I'm not the one that you would talk to about that. And I really wanted to see more of she him. She should have dated him. She should have dated him. He seemed to be around her age. Mm-hmm. But instead... <laughs> temperament. Instead, she goes for this guy who's, like, spoiler alert, in, like, episode seven, turns out he's a literal father. <laughs> he has a child. And once again, Tara and Max were so blasé about... <sighs> how she so is dating someone like twice her age well you know it's interesting you said they don't push her to kind of find a path yeah. it's interesting because when she first brings yeah. up going to teach english you know she says they to don't her mom her yeah too. you'd prefer that i just stay in kansas they're doing what Max do an does to Tara. Store. yeah yeah it's like safety within these walls is better than danger yeah. and but to be fair i feel like if i was a mother and my it was a bad idea yeah, if I, <laughs> she wanted to leave within like well, the just week. Like, I, on, girl. I, I I would say like give it a month, and if you still want to do it, then yeah, yeah, but yeah, which like, is what she basically says, and Kate's like, you won't support me, uh, right? Kate does have a nice progression though from season one. Like I like her emotional arc more than her what she physically does. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. gonna lie, like I love Brie Larson, oh, yeah, and she's great. so I kind of. Just saying yes. <laughs> yeah, anything she's yeah. any scenes she's, she's in, you're like, yeah, go on. It's like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what something that really rung true, rang true with me, is the first time Kate leaves. And first of all, she leaves that heartbreaking letter <sighs> that honestly made me cry. Oh my god, it's honestly, it seems like they're writing her off the show. Yeah, I truly, I truly like cried. And then Tara starts <laughs> crying, and she's like. When Marshall says, let's all say something nice, uh, Tara says, come back soon, don't fall in love, and I love you, and she starts crying. And then the second time that Kate's about to leave for Nagata, Tara just goes, I cried the first time, and sends her off, which was so real. I think the best part of Kate's storyline in general is how good, how much her relationship with Tara has grown over the last three seasons, because in season one, they hate each other. Or, like, Kate hates her mom. And Alice is, like, shoving soap in her mouth. And it's this whole thing. Yeah. And then in this season, like, they have all these cute moments with, like, drinking coffee together. And, mm-hmm. like, she cares so much. And, like, we could talk about the Japan Go scene. But, <sighs> like, that is so good. Like, T picks a fight with Kate. Every time, <laughs> Kate has a habit of being really protective of her mom when her altars are around. True. It's like where, season one with tea. Yeah. And I feel like everybody else, whenever one of the altars comes out, everybody else is concerned about like protecting themselves or protecting the status quo, like making sure that the damage is minimal. But Kate will be really protective of Tara specifically. Mm-hmm. And she'll say like, this is Tara's body, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Whereas Max is just concerned that the fidelity of his marriage is at stake, like whatever. <laughs> but Kate, um, T is about to drunk drive. 
and Kate wrestles her to the ground outside to get the keys out of her hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, like, punches her in the face, and then she turns back into Tara and is like, go to Japan. And they just cry and hold each other, and it's... In the yard. Oh, my God. Blood drips on her face. Mm-hmm. That's really what... Yeah, I love seeing Tony Collette's eyes change. Yeah. That's, like, the most incredible... Yeah. It's like Raven Simone, but like to the end degree. You're right. I never. I always take that for granted, but it's so real. Like you know, in a second. Like yeah, there's a little bit of a sound cue whenever she transitions, but she always completely changes her whole. Yeah. But it never has to be like a oh, ghost no. leaving the body energy. You know. No. Because it could have taken. They could have easily form, edited in something. She's like exhausted and like. Yeah. 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 So Kate's living with Charmaine. Kate's living with Charmaine. Charmaine is pregnant with Neil's baby. Neil... The season starts with Neil proposing to her. And and Charmaine says no. No, she which... says, I don't think so. I mean, no, right? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> which is so good. I, like, I want Charmaine to marry Neil because they're so good together. But also, like, fuck public proposals, especially if you haven't talked about it beforehand. Uh, yeah. But... <clears throat> Especially um, in the gazebo that she got left in the altar. Oh my god! Think, read, read the room. The room. <laughs> she says that later. She's like, read the room, Neil. <laughs> Literally. So, um, Charmaine ends up having like false contractions and having to ask Ted to drive her to the hospital because nobody else is home. Oh, fucking Ted, I forgot about him. I know. And Neil says, like, he says, "I'm moving in. This is like, this is too scary to have happen again and not have one of us here with you." And Charmaine gives him the couch. Yeah. It's so funny. She also has a new Etsy company called Urban Duchess. <laughs> she's like, she's like bedazzling, like, I don't know, headbands. Yes. And she's telling Kate, like, Urban Duchess is for women who want to, I don't know. But she's I love like, she goes, it's every... for women to feel like a princess. And I'm like, or like a duchess? <laughs> I don't know. So she's sending funny. some mixed And she, here. Charmaine is going through, like, this feminist revolution internally. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want Kate to go to Japan because she just wants them to have girl time together. She goes, Kate, me, you, a baby. It'll be a revolution. <laughs> I love that part. Why does Neil get mad at her for keeping the wedding cake? It was $400. Either. Really? I mean, I get that emotion, but Because please. it's not cake, it's her bullshit. He says it, he says <laughs> it right yeah. there. All right. I mean, here's the thing. I am a big believer in symbols, and keeping that cake in your fridge, I don't think is a symbol that you want to still marry that dude, but it for sure is like you're literally holding on to some stuff that, like, Mm -hmm. you clearly got to rid yourself of. I guess so, but. And I think it's insulting to him. Keep it in Tara's fridge. She said, I get it. But she says, you know, I want my wedding pictures with Nick and I want mm-hmm. my wedding night with Neil. There's this understanding that, like, he's being hidden and he's, you know. That's true. I mean, they like... have baggage for sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you for taking the Neil stance on that issue. I wanted, I'm glad it was a thing. Um, <laughs> after when Charmaine has her baby. Which is brought on by T 
essentially running her over over at a grocery store oh and then dr hatters has the best line the next episode he's like maybe you were you couldn't study for your midterm because you were too busy driving your car into your pregnant sister as he just like combs through some stuff on his zen garden okay but that is true t really returns with a vengeance in this season like she's gone for all of season two and then she fucks up everything in season three Mm -hmm. none of their elders other elders really do that much at least in the first half. Yeah. Especially Shoshana. Alice just makes Noah and Marshall some sandwiches. Alice helps the baby. There's one yes. night where like Buck is gone all night and we don't really know what happened. He's looking for like, Bryce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah, she has the baby. Charming giving birth is one of the best moments of TV. When Neil shows up and has that whole I have a motherfucking baby and it's mine speech and he has like rings of blood around his wrists Mm -hmm. that I texted my parents to ask what that was about (laughs) and my dad was like oh it's probably because he had really shitty gloves that only went up to the wrist Mm -hmm. instead of the whole forearm. Definitely the blood pattern on his shirt was disconcerting. I didn't notice the rings. I'm wondering if they maybe were implying that Charmaine was like bleeding and like grabbing him a lot um or something I don't well even she know. was he out emergency c-section you're right you're right yeah but it could have been just a side yeah track. i agree about that scene though i you know when you guys were talking to jamie you talked about the moment where charmaine's just like just support me just be there for me and you mentioned sam that like it could have been this whole moment in another show that led up to like i just need you mm-hmm. and it was like after three seasons we finally got the fight that maybe we haven't wanted, but, like, they have been <laughs> resisting giving mm. us while she's in labor in the, oh, yeah, um, you know, in the ambulance. And it's like, all right, if you're going to do it, when else do it mm. than labor? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I really like the conflict that comes up where Charmaine doesn't want Tara around the baby. Oh, wait, because, like, it, it's, it's so hard to watch. It's so hard to watch, but it also makes a lot of sense. And Rosemary DeWitt plays it so well, where you can tell that she really does have her baby's best interests at heart. Oh, and yeah, it's not just vengeful. Yeah, she's she not just, like, mad daughter. at her. She just loves her baby, and it's like Charmaine is a mom. It's so yeah, cool. it's really not, like, an anger thing at all. And she puts words to it so beautifully. She's just like, I this life, like, cannot exist without me. Yes. And, like, if I'm not going to be the one to make good calls for it especially at this time where it can't make decisions for itself mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. who will right and then the fact yeah. that like Tara proves herself by knowing what she knows about being a mom and she's done it twice and she's like listen I know how to help the baby stop crying like I I I, I see both sides I obviously it, yeah what were you saying oh no I was just going to say that I thought it resolved very well mm-hmm. yeah and I'm glad it wasn't longer than two episodes yeah. and I'm happy Jesus. like I think Tara did a good job of respecting her boundaries you know there's oh, a few yeah. times where it's like you know the lasagna it's like oh maybe you didn't mm-hmm. have to but she's not going to be able to resist fully and yeah. I thought like and she knows her was, sister I mean it was positive that every time it came up it wasn't like but like I can I won't you know that she was very much like would remove herself and, and it was know. good because it came at a time when Tara had control over the altars more or like they were respecting each other there's that whole thing where they start giving her the body when she wants to mm-hmm. and when she doesn't want to and especially when their mom's there um <sighs> so funny. oh and something that I thought was so cute was when Buck is the one to like lead Tara to her mom at the end of one mm-hmm. of the episodes to confront her because she knows yeah. she wouldn't do it by herself yeah yeah I love when their mom like pops in on them and they're Charmaine and Tara is hanging out on the couch and then 
they're talking shit about their mom, and then her mom walks in going, girls, and Sherman goes, stalker? What are you doing? <laughs> I love when the mom first shows up, and Tara immediately <coughs> turns into tea and goes, you look old, bitch. Yes. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting, you know, when Tara's big kind of like, excitement in in the last few episodes after the contract is that when she asks for the body back she gets it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um versus other times maybe the altar has just chosen like i'm done and i don't want to be in the body anymore um i don't know how usually that process would go in her head but totally when she when buck takes her to her mom i was like did tara now choose like hey buck you know what i gotta do this i got this or did buck say no more, Tara. You gotta face this now that I'm. Now that you're here, your like, body's here. I like Buck doing that. I think that he would. Yeah. He's not as in this season as much as last season, but I think it. It's implied that, that he probably just put her there. Hmm. Not that she wasn't thinking about it, but yeah. I like that. Another T line that I like this season, um, is when she yells at Doctor Hatteras, takes his hot dog kicks it, and then goes, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I kicked a hot dog. Yeah, I love that T is like they gave up trying to make her seem like a real teenager and just made her her own thing. Just, yeah. She's just T. She's weird. She says dumb things. T is closer to Gimme than she is to any of the other altars. The altar scale of... <laughs> the scale what? from, like, Gimme to Alice <laughs> in terms of restraint. <laughs> Shoshana is pretty restrained. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. She also sex with Max for some reason. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just sure. love in that scene where they're like in Congress and they're writing down everything that matters to them. I'm just imagining Shoshana being like, unhinge my jaw like a snake to blow the shit out of Max. <laughs> I kind of. I thought it was kind of clever too how like with that scene and they got to write down what they wanted. Gimme and Chicken can't write, so they don't ever get to come out, which is great. Like, that's, like, a little that's sneaky thing true. in there. Because, like, Gimme's eating the pencil and, like, Chicken's putting it in her hair. Yeah. All right, are we... All right. Um, we yeah. Any straight thoughts real quick, words. or you want to hash it out in the awards? Let me take a look at my notes. <laughs> oh. I feel like we covered a lot of really good stuff. I thought it was shitty of the family to go to Barnaby's after yeah, what the fuck? Kate was sexually assaulted by her I boss. I totally forgot about that, and she, like, throws up on the table. Yeah. Oh, I hated that. I, I hate throw-up scenes. And it's also interesting, like, how out there Kate's internet fandom, or not fandom, oh, I guess her video internet popularity yes. is, because, like... You know, she's like, oh, everything you stupid that you do is just, like, out there. But I'm like, is it, like, out there? You know, that was, yeah, that's these, an interesting... That must have happened in the, like, time jump between yeah. seasons. Yeah. Oh, my favorite. We were talking about how smart the wordplay is with the jokes earlier. When Neil looks at Charmaine's vagina during childbirth, he says it looks like Abe Lincoln after he got shot in the face. <laughs> True. I just watched an office episode where Michael's like, Abe Lincoln has just become funny. We can just start joking <laughs> just about it now. now. And I was like, ooh. Oh, uh, one more shitty mind. thing that uh, Max does is fire Neil and start working, sell his business. To, oh my uh, God. Oh, and then he starts throwing a fucking fit because he's like no longer he's a struggling small business owner. Yeah. Come on, Max. 
Get your family health insurance. And I just noticed for the first time when he wears his Orgolon uniform for the first time, it says Greg Maxson. Yeah, it's yeah. Greg like, Maxson. Even... I feel like they might have deleted a scene or something. <laughs> Where, like, they got his name wrong. Yeah, I definitely, like, just going back to the flight attendant woman really quickly, like, I thought she was so interesting because I felt like she was, like... I don't think she's real. Like, I almost feel like she's just an like, angel that's been, I like, sent down. I faked her for six years yeah. before I got divorced <laughs> and reclaimed my life. Like, who are you? Uh, Max had dreadlocks in college. Is confirmed that he's done. Problematic. Yes. Imagine, oh, yeah. g- imagine, okay, imagine being Tara <clears throat> and getting pregnant with the baby of a fucking dreadlock wearing, like, like, third year super senior who's in a band called Beaver Lamp. Like, I would have tried to kill myself, too. Ah! <laughs> but then they're watching the tape, and Max, I mean, and Marshall says right before they cut away, is mom drinking a beer while pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> they're oh, both fucked up. Ne- they're both repenting for their sins. <laughs> and, Neil, and Neil used to be hot. Um, oh, yeah, he's the skinniest. <laughs> yeah. This is, that's also, that, unfortunately, is the scene where Marshall says, my dad is an actual retarded person. <gasps> You're right, that is what happens. The last thing <clears throat> I would have to add is just that I think it's really cool that Charmaine still, like, is showing baby weight post Yes. That just really mm. stood That's out That's really me. cool. And I thought that was just awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to awards. Here on the Tony Awards, we give three awards to everything we watch, first of which is best prop. So, Andy, what was your best prop? Well... You mentioned it briefly, and in my head I was like, maybe I'll just switch it after I hear what they say, but now I'm first, so I've got to stick with my instinct. I gotta go the hot dog. I'm not gonna lie. I thought her kicking the hot dog was just one of the funniest things that I've seen, uh, with, of course, the line that you did so beautifully. And then, you know... I do have half a BFA. (laughs) It kicks, like, into the sorority girls doing their little poster, you know. And they did such a nice build-up with the hot dog of him keeping mentioning it to her, and you should get it. It tastes really good, and interrupting her and building it up. Mm -hmm. That I was like, okay, he's just annoying. Chekhov's hot dog. Yeah, I kicked a hot dog. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Um, But then it was just... It was prime, so... Yeah, that's my prop. Jake, what was yours? Um, so I have my worst prop is Neil's ass crack. Um, <laughs> my best prop is gonna be when, and they're in flight school and or it's her first real flight. Um, the plane gets major turbulence and Kate's like trying to juggle with like coffee and this suitcase <laughs> flies out of the overhead compartment and just nails this guy in the head. Like, that so funny. Dead. And that man just goes, what? <laughs> it's, like, really funny. So that suitcase is my best friend. There's a fish sitting next to him that says, my leg. Um, my leg? My best prop was Buck's <coughs> unloaded gun that he uses to fake shoot one of the Bryce Cranes. Mm-hmm. I thought oh. the moment of him actually pulling the trigger was so powerful. Because mm. I thought it was yeah. enough to just put a gun to the head, but right. to really... What if Buck mm-hmm. shot someone in the head in the first scene of the season? After having it be confirmed that it's not the person he was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I was split between the hot dog and Kate's iced coffee in all of the airport scenes. Something <laughs> oh. about her with her little reusable me. cup. <laughs> Sipping on that ice so latte. So cute. Always. Yeah. And next award is best Tony moment. So. <coughs> Sorry, I'm sick. Best Tony moment. Oh, mine. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I get the one. The first one. I'm gonna go with Japan Go. 
This is my favorite yes. scene. It's a beautiful progression from when Kate and Tara were not close at all, and then they finally are in the yard, and she says, Japan? And Kate goes, Japan. And Tara goes, go! <laughs> and then they hug in the yard, and they're bleeding, and it's cute and beautiful. Yeah. Andy, what was yours? Can I say two? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, the first one, similar to the hot dog, I was like, Andy, this show is too good for you to choose this, but I can't help myself. <laughs> when she's first sitting down to write her paper, it has the montage of like all the things she's distracting herself with, and she like works out. She folds clothes. And in all these, she looks the same as she does when she's writing the paper. She has like her hair pulled back and like whatever. And then there's the shortest little moment, like at the very end of the montage, where somehow she has like a drum. Yeah, a and her hair is down, And she's like playing this bongo. And I was like, all right, that's got to be Maybe it. Maybe she was Shoshana at that point. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> a very Shoshana. And then the other one was just when she realized that Charmaine did not want her to hold the baby. Mm. That like coming to terms with that because it's not explicit. It really is a moment of her having to put together the pieces that like she is the danger. Um, because I think she likes to believe that the altars, you know, but she's the Walter White of this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big question she's that she has with Hatters. It's knight. like, is it you? Is it not you? Who has to take responsibility for mm, this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was just so tragic. I don't. Do you guys watch Glow? No. I have not seen it, but I've heard great things. There's a really great hospital episode. So now these, these hospital episodes. I love hospital episodes. I don't. Hospital episode. I love hospital episodes. I love awkward dinner scenes where, like, the entire cast of something is around a table. Yeah. And dinner all the subtext. Yes. <laughs> Everything comes to light. Basements where Toronto is happening. Basements about. where Torandos are happening. <laughs> Uh, okay. What was your favorite Tony moment? Um, my best Tony moment, I mentioned it earlier, but when she says, come back soon, don't fall in love, and I love you, mm-hmm. to Kate, who is not there. I also like it when she's asking Dr. Hatteras to let her into... Oh, no, wait. When she becomes Shoshana at uh, the class oh, yeah. and pretends to we be the sub, she goes, Dr. Hatteras is tending to a critical patient, so I have the honor and you have the privilege. <laughs> yes. Love so good. Okay. Now custom awards. Uh, whoever has a custom award to share can go first. I always come up with mine in the moment. Yeah, I feel like I was going to go with best daughter mom arc, but I already talked about that. Um, and cutest parents is too boring uh, for Charmaine and Neil, which I also love. So I'm going to go with, I don't know what to classify this award as, but I just think it's so funny. Um, I'm going to go with Whatever, fuck it. Best Tony line, in my opinion. It's not the same thing as moment. I can't get it out of my head. It's like the near the beginning of the season. She's starting school and she just comes in and goes, Tara Gregson, student. <laughs> like, superlative. Like, this is my job, student. Like, I don't know. Yeah, in that scene, there's zero way that all of those books fit in that little purse she's calling a book bag. Yeah. And. Yeah. Gotta throw them on the yard, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I my Tony my Tony award my specific creation was either quickest turnaround and by that I mean of course it was super shocking to to have witnessed whatever we missed during the test that we saw. Oh sure. At the end, but the turnaround from like like you said like 
him Hatter's being like her foil and them having this really like negative relationship to him like being obsessive and wanting to study her. That was like crazy to me. I was just like, oh, this is, everything's changed. Yeah, it was a very um, TV convenient type thing. Yeah, so that that is my award. Yeah, um, my award is a callback to our very first United States of Terror episode. When I gave the Best Physical Comedy Award to John Corbett, it's coming back purely because of that really, really long take in the beginning of the second episode where Marshall is filming the whole movie of Tara's first day. And Max uh, tries to go in for a kiss with Tara, and she, um, she, like, turns away. And then turns back as he's turning away to try and kiss him. And it's like two weird missed kisses in the span of about two and a half seconds. <laughs> and it's so strange. And I rewound it like three times. Two missed kisses. Yeah. Also, that whole long take, it's about a minute and a half. So I'm oh, giving that the Paul... wishes. I know. I'm giving that the Paul Thomas Anderson Award for long takes. Okay. Wow. So Tara won the Oscar. Yeah. So we are now at the end of our show. Uh, Andy, do you have anything to plug? Thanks for having me. Got nothing. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you so much for being coming someone on. who's a fan of the show. Uh, I'm honored. Yeah. We've been waiting to have you on. We wanted to have people so who are willing to yeah. watch uh, many episodes of a TV Three show. hours of television. I think I got another person excited about watching it. So there's, just so you know, you've Doing made a difference in lives. Yeah. Doing the Lord's work. Yes. And with that... Tara Gregson, student. (laughs) Bye. Bye.